Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of Irrational Confidence, a basketball podcast created by three dudes who love basketball and, just like their favorite players, have the irrational confidence to let every take fly. Here you'll find weekly episodes on league news and transactions, team updates and performances, and fun debates on our favorite NBA topics. My name is Lino, and I'm joined by our hosts, Kaylin and Micah. We hope you enjoy this episode, and thank you for tuning in. Let's get to it. And welcome in to the maiden voyage of the Irrational Confidence podcast. My name is Micah Lister. Join with me are my fellow hosts, Lino and Kaylin. Today, we're going to be breaking down the Damian Lillard trade, the Drew Holiday trade, and we're going to be doing a little preview of our thoughts on the Eastern Conference regular season standings. Fellas, how are we doing today? We are doing pretty good, and I'm very excited to be here, and I'm most excited to get these hot takes flying for the very first time. Absolutely. Uh, I'm doing great, man. Very excited for our inaugural episode of the Irrational Confidence Podcast, man. So stick with us, guys. We're going to be doing a lot of growing. Uh, it's our first episode, but, man, we're really excited with three guys. Love love basketball. It's going to be an exciting season, so stick with us through this journey. Definitely. And I don't think there's a more exciting thing going on in the world of the NBA right now than the Damian Lillard trade saga, which has finally reached a conclusion to a degree. Mm-hmm. So I think think that's a great place to start. Um, to recap, for any of you that don't know, uh, Damian Lillard was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, a trade that is upsetting to a couple members of this podcast that do happen to root for a particular team based out of South Florida. But nonetheless, an exciting trade in the world of the NBA. Uh, Kalen, you want to lead us off and kind of just your initial thoughts? Um. Yeah, so definitely, uh, definitely very exciting. Um, obviously, that's going to catapult. Well, I mean, the Bucks were already the top seed. Uh, so they're going to be definitely the top seed again, one or two. I think I had a slightly different reaction than I think a lot of people. I, I definitely get the excitement. Um, sometimes I feel like we just kind of rush to kind of crown them the champions, I think it was, um, I think it was Tim, Tim Bontemps who was like, oh, these guys are now like clearly the uh, title favorite. And I think I disagree, especially after that Drew Holiday trade. I know we're going to get into the Drew trade a little later. Um, but I think initially, even before the Drew trade, I really liked this, uh, the Celtics in terms of just kind of the bodies they could throw at Dame. Um, but obviously, you know, the Bucks are going to be dynamic. A lot of talk about the pick and roll, about the pick and pop, things of that nature. Um, but definitely very exciting. I know we're going to dive into a little more, but yeah, I think with the uh, the Dame trade, it has obviously got its exciting components. But I do feel like, in general, there are a lot of question marks for the teams that are involved, whether it be. Um, Portland themselves, um, the Bucks, the Suns, and the Celtics, they all have made some very interesting moves that I think their fan bases can be excited about. But I definitely don't walk away from this free agency feeling 
uber confident in some of these teams. Obviously, the Trailblazers are going to be in a very weird situation moving forward, but they're just stockpiling picks at this point. But uh, with the Celtics and the Suns, as well as the Bucks, I just feel like there are a lot of question marks about who they replaced and what they replaced. And so I am very interested to hear you guys' opinions on kind of the value of these trades from each team's perspective. So maybe we should start with the Trailblazers, the origin of this trade. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of drama around it um, from Dame demanding to go to the Miami Heat and obviously not getting that. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of he said, she said regarding who uh, instigated what with this trade and who was in the right and who was in the wrong. But even setting some of the more petty aspects of this trade aside, do we feel like this was a trade that, garnered proper value for the trade of Damian Lillard. Yeah, I think I think it's it's hard to argue now that we've seen the return that they've also gotten for Holiday uh that this wasn't a great return for Portland. Um mm-hmm. they were put in a really tough position uh by Dame and his agent Aaron Goodwin in terms of demanding to go to Miami and Miami only, which is totally in Dame and his agent's right to you know try and manipulate the market so he can go where he wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, as a as a fan of the Heat, it was it was hard to watch, but they played this really well. They strung it out as long as they could, and according to reporting from Mark Spears, Dame eventually widened his list of teams to include Milwaukee and Brooklyn. And I'm sure in part because of Giannis's recent comments about, you know, uncertainty with his future with Milwaukee, uh, they were motivated to, to pounce on the chance to get Dame. Um, and then <clears throat> Portland being able to work in Phoenix as well, get DeAndre Ayton, a young center, several draft picks from all around. And then Drew Holiday for, you know, whatever it was, 72 hours and then flipping him into the assets they acquired from Boston, I feel like was a great return, especially for a team in the position where, you know, they didn't have a ton of leverage and they also sent their, you know, franchise icon to a place where he could win a championship. So for me, I think it was a great return. Yeah. I think it was the best return possible. Um, You know, we did a lot of talking about uh, what the Miami package was. And I I feel like recently I heard uh, Dan Lepitard say that, Brian Whitmore said that he even he does not know what the official Miami package was. It was never like officially reported uh, what they were offering. So I think that's that's very interesting. But just looking at what they possibly could offer and just kind of knowing Pat Riley and how, how far he'd probably be willing to go for Dame, I would say that they definitely got the best package. Um, I think I'm really high on DeAndre Aiden. Uh, I'd be interested to hear kind of where you guys are on him, but I think that it is a very skilled big, and I think he has a lot more to offer. I think he does have his own kind of stuff to work out with the effort and things like that, but I think we kind of understand and agree that, you know, the pouting came from the fact that they were trying to use him in a particular way, kind of a DeAndre Jordan, Clint Capella role, and he's just more skilled than that. Um, so... <clears throat> I definitely like them grabbing that. And he fits better uh, than, you know, any hero or anything like that. You know, they already have those kind of scoring guards. So they needed a big, and they, they have him. He's the same 
uh, similar age, so he's on that timeline as the, their other guys. Uh, so I, I really like that. Obviously, they got Drew Holiday and was able to um, flip him as well. So definitely the best possible package I think they could have gotten. I mean, it kind of it kind of blew me away. I think some people were even asking, was this too much for Dame? I, I kind of saw that out there. Um, hmm. so. I see. Well, I wholeheartedly disagree with the both of you. Um, <laughs> uh, not entirely so. I do think this is probably a better package than whatever my, um, especially from a player standpoint. Like, obviously, um, some people may see value in Aiton way over the value that they see in, like, Tyler Hero and whatever uh, first-round picks or players um, that we would have. Uh, put on the table um, but I'm looking here at the notes for the uh, trade and I just I think the players are interesting I think the picks don't really inspire a lot of excitement for the uh, trailblazers future you know we've got Aiton here we've got Michael Brogdon and Robert Williams um, I think Aiton I think there are some questions about if it is him or if it is the Suns. I think there's fair arguments on both sides for who was the uh, main antagonist in that situation that inspired him to play so poorly all the time. Um, but I don't know that he's going into a better situation. I just think it's better because it's something different, not because it's like a better system for him or he's playing amongst better players or he's playing in an area where there's a lot of need for him. Uh, I think it's kind of a maybe on some of those fronts and uh more than likely going to be a very chaotic lottery situation that he's going into that can get really unfun really fast. Like some players are cool, you know, being on a team that has no aspirations over the next two years, but I don't know exactly what the trailblazers are going to aspire to, uh, especially with two players who I think have talent, but are big question marks when it comes to their health, like Michael Brogdon, obviously a six man potential um, every year, if he can play, 30 or 40 games. Um, Robert Williams, great talent, but has obviously sacrificed his own body in a lot of ways to a lot of different playoff series. And who knows where he's going to show up and end up uh, in the trajectory of his career. And these picks, I just feel like these picks alone are not great picks. I think a 2029, my uh, Milwaukee Buck pick is going to be in the bottom 25, like 20 to 25. Um, the Warriors pick next year could be good, I guess, if they decide to blow it up um, and Steph and them don't have another one or two years in them. Um, and then um, a 2029 pick for Boston, who's just been great for the past 10 years and have the young talent to be great for another 10 years if they wanted to. And so these picks are like good in a certain light, but I don't think it's a high volume of picks as it should have been. I do think it's very dependent on it's like a very player heavy trade package, which I probably wouldn't have gone with for Dame. I would have definitely gone with something for a little bit more value. And if it was going to be players, it wouldn't be players who are either really unhealthy or kind of not really having a consensus on what they're going to be moving forward. Um, and so I think it's a fine package. And all of that said, it could still be a better package than what Miami could have done there. I just, I'm not as impressed as I feel like the general consensus is on mm. uh, this trade package for the uh, Trailblazers themselves. Can I, can, can I push back just a little bit here? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> because 
I like. I, I really want to zag on the idea of collecting all these picks. I, I know we've we've seen it with the Thunder and the Pelicans and so on. The uh, the Utah Jazz, um, but I'm just not sold that that's the way to go. I think there's a lot of value in just not being terrible, uh, and just having competent players on your team for Scoot Henderson to play with. I think I think that matters um, in terms of development when when you're playing with real NBA players and you're competing in basketball games and you're not, you know, down 30 in the first half all the time. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I think the, the, the Trailblazers still uh, have control um, of their picks, at least most of them. And they're still going to be a bad team, right? They're still going to have um, lottery picks to improve their team, but they're just not going to be miserable um, to watch, um, which I think is a good thing. And, and you even spoke on that when you were talking about DeAndre Ayton playing in that situation um, and how, you know, they're going to be in the lottery and there's, you know, all this and that, but at least they're going to be competitive if they decide to hold on to uh, Rob Williams and Malcolm Brogdon. At, at least until, you know, February, you can get, you know, one competitive year um, where, you know, where you have rotational players. Um, so I'm not always so sold that we should just be trading everybody away to get picks, especially when, yeah. when the picks are. I mean, I, I mean, you, you just you kind of also just touched on some of the picks. How they, they got some of the picks that, you know, who 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 are those players going to turn into? They're not awesome picks. So, what's the point of really stockpiling them? Yeah, that's fair. And I guess I just think I feel like they kind of went middle of the road there. Like they have like some talent, some picks, um, and I so, feel like I'm more convinced. They'll be. They'll by... be... <laughs> <laughs> They will not be middle of the road. They, or they won't be middle of the talent, but I think their package is kind of middle of philosophy when it comes to, like, do we go a very player-centric trade or a very trade or, like, a draft compensation uh, route. And I feel like they kind of tried to put a foot on both paths, and I don't know if that's going to work out for them, especially when if the Nets were right there. Uh, I don't even know what their pick situation is, but I feel like those picks could be pretty valuable in the next by 2029. Um, and if I could have got some of the young guys from them um, and also those picks, because I don't see a world where the Brooklyn Nets are good again ever. Um, and so, yeah, but I definitely get what you're saying. And I do think the value of draft picks can be typically overrated um, yeah. as we've seen over the past 10 years. Um, but I would probably go find some more valuable picks than, take maybe less valuable picks for the players that they got. Um, but from the, or Micah, did you have anything else to add? Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to add is Portland is to me in a unique position as a rebuilding team because they got a head start by shutting Dame down last year. So I feel like with a lot of these rebuilding teams, you can look at the Thunders rebuild, Houston's Utah, all these different rebuilds. What really accelerates it is the blue chip prospect. And so like Oklahoma City got, now they have Shea. They know they have an all NBA caliber guard and now they can push this timeline forward. But usually that's after you trade the star player, you tank that next year. And then that's hopefully when you get the top two or three pick. But because they shut Dame down, they already have the blue chip prospect in house. They already have Scoot ready to go, ready to lead and start developing into what they hope will be their franchise cornerstone. So I do think that's maybe an under-discussed aspect of these assets they got back is like you guys were saying, a lot of these guys are ready to play. 
And now you can insulate Scoot's development with real NBA players and you don't have to go like process Sixers level of like, you know, players around him. He has like a real lob threat now. He has other guards that can score off of his playmaking. So I do think that put Portland in a really advantageous position when they were looking at different trade packages. And I think it kind of gave them the opportunity to take a deal like this where they don't have to worry as much about securing that blue chip talent. Hey, yeah. can we talk about um, about Phoenix? Do you guys think adding yeah. Allen and Nurkic uh, made them better? They made them have more players. <laughs> um, <laughs> Unequivocally. They have, they have they a roster guys. of players. <laughs> they, have to, they have added two people to their roster in a way. Yeah, I, I put one. Yeah, I put in the show notes Phoenix on court versus off court because on court, I don't think this makes a ton of sense. I get it like to a degree, but you know, I think if you ask most people, they'd say DeAndre Ayton is better than Nurkic and at least has more upside. But it does seem like that relationship was just so fried that they just had to move on. Um, and they got Grayson Allen, right? So, like, some shooting, which is nice. And then I believe Nasir Little, too, right? Mm-hmm. Who, if he can stay healthy, that type of, you know, that archetype of player makes a lot of sense for them. Somebody they can shoot some and, and guard multiple mm-hmm. positions. But, yeah, it felt mostly like a locker room kind of move to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that this is going to be i think the sun's conversation in general is just going to be so interesting to watch this season because you've obviously got the stars that you wanted the owner came in said i want some superstars on this team i'm ready to do whatever it takes and trade whoever it takes to get there and then we'll fill out the roster later um and so you know they have beal they've got durant book they've got you know people who can score like crazy and then you've got eight repairmen right <laughs> who just fill in the rest of that roster and uh it is just going to be such a stark contrast from the first six minutes of that game and to the third quarter um and so i am very interested to see here i don't think i think there's a positive to adding nurkic because ayton's gone and maybe nurkic really doesn't care what his role is going to be on the team because he maybe has established that, you know, he's a role player. This is just what he does um, rather than having someone who has higher aspirations like uh, DeAndre Ayton might have. Um, there is some positive of getting someone who's less ball dominant to be okay, never having the ball uh, between their three superstars. Um, but otherwise I don't see a lot of value there. Um, so <clears throat> Nurkic has not, finished a season since i think 2018 wow um <laughs> and i'm looking at their roster um they don't really have another big guy uh so if he goes down it, it gets very hairy i think yep. I, I guess drew eubanks is is there is there is there their backup yep. setup with I'm the seeing one I- udoko azubuike uh 611 from kansas <laughs> Uh, when I, I don't know if he's even has a contract right now, but one of my first reactions to this trade was we're going to be in the second round. They're going to be playing a good team and there's going to be six minutes left in a close game and they're going to come out of a timeout and Kevin Durant is going to be a center. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, Kevin and, and I, or bowl, and I bowl. hope it's Denver because that would be to me the ultimate stress test. Oh my god! Of gosh. Jokic on defense and Jokic on <laughs> offense, because I mean they probably stash him on right. Whoever the fifth player is, you know, Tory Craig or not Tory Craig, he's yeah, whatever. Aaron Gordon's gonna put up fifty. He's gonna go crazy as soon as he sees Kevin Durant on him. Yeah, they probably mashed him <laughs> on the glass. It probably would not work, but I do wonder like how much they'll put up with Nurkic if he's available, even right. being in a drop, maybe showing at the level. But I feel like good Western Conference teams are gonna attack him. And I know people like on the low post. I know they talked about like. Portland's defensive rating with Nurkic on the floor for not last year, but years before that was pretty good. And I don't want to just be the person that disagrees with numbers, but it's hard to see, oh, he's a foundational piece of a good playoff defense. So we'll see, but I'm very curious how quickly that gets stress tested. Yep. Also, who is running point on this team? Bradley Beal. Yeah. Okay. I guess it's yeah, point guard <laughs> by committee. That's crazy. I was just looking at it. I was like, is there anybody who even is assigned the position of point guard on their roster? I'm well, seeing two players that say guard, Jordan Goodwin and Saban Lee, but everybody else is a shooting guard or yeah. forward. I'm sure I'm sure though, you know, probably run a lot of ISO. So oh, that would want- be quite surprising. The uh the the, the Drew trade? Yeah, let's do it. Um, for the Drew, tra- Drew trade, let's uh, let's talk about it from the perspective of Boston first. I think we've talked plenty about um, the Trailblazers, but what do you guys think about this Boston roster um, with Drew Holiday added to it? I'm excited. I'm I'm excited. Um... Not as a fan of a fellow Eastern Conference team, but just as a basketball fan. Um, Drew, to me, brings every valuable thing Marcus Smart did and then adds extra dimensions. Um, Statistically, I don't think they're super different as shooters, but how they will be guarded, I think, will be very different. And I think with the additions of Porzingis and Holiday now, the five out lineups they'll be able to play, I think will be devastating offensively. And to me, when I look at this team on paper, the only thing that jumps out to me is maybe a weak point is playmaking. So I would worry like, okay, you know, is there a true set up the offense kind of point guard? But if they're playing five out, if they're just attacking the weakest defender on the court every time, help comes and they're just kicking to whoever's open, you know, whoever's helped off of, I think that could mitigate a lot of the playmaking concerns you might have with a roster like this. Um, And so I'll let you guys jump in here, but before you do, I do want to ask both of your opinions. Who's the best passer on Boston's roster? (laughs) Joe Mazzula passing the handbook (laughs) off to the players because (laughs) it's definitely nobody actually taking the floor. Um, I would probably say Derek White. Like, I think he yeah. does a good job, but that is not the guy you want to be your primary playmaker for mm-hmm. 30 minutes a game. Um, what about you, Kalen? Uh, Derek White's a good one. Um, I think people 
underrate Drew Holiday's ability to run the pick and roll. He's actually a, a pretty good pick and roll ball handler. Um, and man, guys, I really, really love this Boston Celtics team. Um, their their first six: Drew Holiday, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kristaps uh, Porzingis, Derek White. How many was that? Was that five? Al Horford. I lost count. The point is, they have the <laughs> the point is they have the best uh, six guys. I think. I I mean the. The the ball pressure that we're going to see from Jalen Brown and Drew Holiday, um, I, I, I know you, you just talked about uh, some of the, the point guard and the playmaking. I think they're going to be fine with just kind of a hodgepodge uh, of just Drew Holiday and, and Jason. And, I mean, I think everybody's going to kind of handle the ball. Uh, and then I love that you brought up that, that five-out lineup. Um, that is absolutely going to be devastating. Um, if Kristaps can, can stay healthy, I mean, Kristaps had a career year last year. It was his best year. I know he did it in Washington. And I, I kind of have, like, a personal rule about uh, big stats when no one watches. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I still I still really like Kristaps. Um, and I, I think he's going to flourish on this team. I think Boston is the best team in the NBA this this season. I really like what they did with the Drew Holiday trade. Uh, you guys know I was very vocal in the Discord about my <laughs> kind of power through that 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 pettiness and going to get this guy because I thought he could have been pretty much a swing player for any team that picked him up. Uh, so I am super high on the Celtics this year. I love that Drew Holiday trade for them. I know people talked about their 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 depth because you know they gave some of their depth. They they, they lost Grant Williams. Uh, to Dallas and free agency, uh, but they kind of let him go. Joe Mazzula was not his biggest fan. He made Udoka play Grant a lot, but Joe Mazzula actually did not play Grant a-, a ton, so they were actually happy to let him go, and that is the same for Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon was not happy in Boston, and he had been kind of vocal about that. He's also just not a-, a reliable enough player. When you're trying to win an NBA title, it's tough to rely on, on guys like Robert Williams, even though I do like him, and it's not like a throw-in piece. I, I do like what he what he brings, but he's just not reliable. You, you, you can't rely on that. And I know it's kind of uh, hi- hypocritical to for me to say that, knowing they brought in Chris Bops, who's not necessarily the most reliable. Um, but I still think they're not giving up as much as people have been saying they have. They are short on depth, um, but I think they still have some assets to work with. I think they're going to show up their depth by the trade deadline, and I think they're going to be even better um, so mm-hmm. I, I really like what they did there. Yeah, I will agree with y'all's points. I definitely have a different opinion. Um, not so much. I think they're going to be a good team. I do think my prediction is that it's going to be very tough for them to figure out this season. Um, like if this is something they work with this roster over the next few years, I think it will probably look great on the court eventually. I don't necessarily see it looking great this year. Just from the pure fact of taking like four players who played a considerable amount of minutes when they were healthy or available and then subbing those out with a bunch of different pieces. Um, I like the pieces. I love Drew Holiday. I think he's an amazing player. Um, I do think he just does what Marcus Smart does, but way better. Um, and Christoph Porzingis as uh, some more scoring firepower and some size to replace Robert Williams. But 
I don't know that they addressed the things that stopped them from making it to the finals last year, which could have just been some Miami Heat magic. Um, but I do think there were some flaws in the way that they played basketball and their approach to the game and their like your turn, my turn style of scoring whenever things got tough. Um, and generally the lack of effective schemes um, deep into the playoffs. Um, if they have answers for those, then I think they could have a great season. But I could see this team winning 55 games and then losing in the second or third round of the playoffs still pretty easily. Can, 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 I, can I just say, uh, so I'm kind of a sucker. Whenever I watch like an interview and it's like really good and like you get to see kind of a closer a, a look at, at the person – uh, I do get suckered in, and I, I kind of just – I kind of see, like, a more positive side of them. And <laughs> today I watched the uh, Joe Mazzula interview with, uh, on the J.J. Reddick Old Man 3 podcast. It was really good. Yeah. And um, they actually they actually didn't even talk a ton of X's and O's. They, they talked a ton of uh, Joe's philosophy. And, man, it was a really awesome conversation. I, I really liked kind of um, how Joe thinks. And w- one thing I thought that he said, not directly but kind of indirectly – he kind of just made it clear that he, he understands that Tatum and Brown and, and Derek White and the, the guys on the team, they're better at their job than Joe is at his job. He, like, he understands that, and he doesn't have ego about it. And I, I kind of like the way that he was coming at it and just some of the accountability stuff that he talked about and kind of building relationships with the players and how uh, people were, were on the team were super locked in this season um more i i know it's everybody's kind of doing the positive talk around training camp but i i don't know i, I kind of just really kind of want to believe in, in joe i know he's not the best coach i know he's probably more of a weakness than strength but i think yeah he is aware of that i think does make a difference um mm-hmm. he's trying man like he he, he knows <laughs> he knows he kind of sucks he does yeah he, he even said it like, hey. I, in that one little uh, interview when he was getting up, and he was like, I'm the worst coach in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish I could walk into my job and just be like, look, man, I'm trash at this. Are you guys cool with me doing this for another year? Could I also have 5 to $10 million? <laughs> Thank you. I respect him. I, respect I, definitely, I definitely rooted for him. Um, I thought he had got, you know, it's hard to say someone got played a tough hand when you get handed a championship caliber team right but you know in the middle of the season um from a coach who we've learned has a very very different philosophy and style than udoka did right uh, take over an udoka styled team in the middle of the season with such high expectations it's not something you can just roll into the wet one or two practices you have that week to go over a few things. Like it's not like you had a training camp. It's not like you had an off season. So I'm rooting for him to be a talented coach. Um, I'm usually pretty lenient on coaches. I just don't know if this is a roster that's going to get it, that is going to fit what he's looking for. Um, but we'll see because they did sub out a lot of the things that I think Udoka prioritized for maybe some more offensive firepower that, uh, Missoula might be interested in. Um, 100%. And yeah, Drew Holiday is really talented. Um, but I do think with talks of where Boston is going to land in the Eastern Conference, we can maybe rotate into our Eastern Conference expectations and predictions. Absolutely. Let's do it. Uh, we're going to kind of have an open floor discussion on 
how we think the regular season standings will shake out. To be clear, this is purely a discussion for regular season success. So if you see a team you think are playoff frauds very high, that does not mean, you know, we disagree. That just means we're taking into account how we think they'll perform in the regular season. I've broken these up into a couple tiers, and I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts on the different tiers. Mm-hmm. So I think if it works with you guys, it makes the most sense to start up top um, because, as you would guess, two of the teams we've discussed pretty thoroughly, Boston and Milwaukee, are up there. So if it works with you guys, I'll kind of run through my first tier and then get y'all's thoughts on it. Sounds good. Perfect. So I do have the Celtics at number one within the tier. Um, How I construct these tiers is by surprise level, I guess you'd say. So if multiple teams are in a tier with each other, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished in a different order. And the tier breaks kind of established. This is where I would be pretty shocked if they were ahead of some of the teams in the tier ahead of them. So I do have Boston number one. I think they have so much talent now that even assuming Drew misses some games, Tatum misses some games, they'll still be able to flow and keep on their principles that they've established. Um, The depth that we've talked about is interesting. Um, You know, Peyton Pritchard will probably be asked to do more than he ever has before. And I think in the regular season, Peyton Pritchard's probably a fine player. I don't think they'll have a lot of issues there. Um, and then I wonder what other bench pieces will pop for them in a way they need, especially if a guy misses a, you know, a month or whatever it may be. Um, Milwaukee, who we talked about in depth, um, I can let you guys kind of dig into your concerns about them. I have them third. Um, and the team I have second in the East, uh, I think is probably going to be my biggest like hot take of this. So I'll let you guys kind of start just with the Celtics in Milwaukee. And just, is there anything you think we didn't cover? Or are we good to kind of move through this, the rest of this tier? I don't have them up there, but I think what who, you said makes sense. You don't, you don't have who, up there. uh, I don't have Boston up there. Okay. Who, who, who do you have? Number one. Uh, the Bucks. Okay. Uh, so I, I agree with you, Micah. I also have Boston number one. Uh, just, just to add a little bit about the depth. Um, yeah, I like that you touched on Peyton Pritchard. Uh, I think he, I think he's a pretty good player for the role that he's in. Uh, and they are going to use him in the regular season. He should be fine. And um, the Celtics also really like uh, their their. I think he's the third string center, Luke Cornett. Mm-hmm. They like him a lot, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he'll be fine to play if need be if Chris Dobbs is out or Al Horford's taking a rest. Uh, so I think it'll be fine. <laughs> And then um, <laughs> I'm really interested to see. I think I know who you have second. Uh, but um, yeah, so I uh, second I have finishing uh, in the East are the Cleveland Cavaliers. I knew it. I knew you is had that it. who you had? Okay, <laughs> so it's not that crazy of a take then. No, um, no, I don't have them second. I knew, I, I, I but knew you knew. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to explain my Cleveland take, um, to me, uh, over the past several years, we've seen Donovan Mitchell-led offense plus top five defense equals regular season wins machine. And <laughs> I, I think they have the formula for that. Um, they added some shooting, which you could argue maybe was one of the biggest issues they had last year. They added Max Struess and George Niang. Yep. They... 
Also, the redundancy of their best players, I think, helps them in the regular mm-hmm. season. Um, if Garland's out, Mitchell can be your lead guard. If Mitchell's out, Garland can run the show. And I think that'll apply to their bigs even more so than last year. If Jared Allen misses time, I think Mobley's probably ready to play more center and be the only big on the floor. Obviously, the two of them together is such an issue in the regular season for teams to try and attack the interior. So I think the redundancy of their best players helps them in terms of you know people missing time. And I think that the infrastructure they have, the cohesion and the continuity they'll have versus everyone else at the top of the East will be really beneficial. Um, I don't think the Boston guys are going to take a ton of time to gel. I don't think the Milwaukee Dame fit will take a ton of time, but Cleveland is essentially running back the same group and they had the number two net rating in the regular season last year. So it's not like this is crazy to think that they could finish really high as well. So what are you guys thoughts on the Cavaliers? Mm. I love it. I love it. (laughs) The Cavs are going to be amazing this year, dude. I just think, you know, from the pure standpoint of running it back and the value of running it back with your roster, and having those guys get to run another season together, we've seen you know do wonders for a team that has all doesn't have too many holes already. Um, and so I think you know Evan Mobley gets to take a step. Um, I think Garland gets to take another step, and I think they're going to come into this season um, really working towards their um, best abilities. And I just think it's going to work out for them to do even better than they did last year with the pieces that they added. And every year that Evan Mobley gets to touch a basketball, he's just going to continue to be incredible. And so I was just high on this team last year. I was really excited about uh, what they were going to be able to do. And even though they had a very disappointing um, playoff performance, I just feel like they are set up for a very successful future moving forward. So I definitely have them in that top like one to three range. Uh, so I'm going to definitely disagree. Uh, I like Cleveland. I have them third. I have Milwaukee second. Um, Cleveland is going to be a very, I mean, they are a very similar team. They're going to have a very similar kind of, they'll have similar issues and they're going to have similar pluses as they did last year. Uh, what I liked about their team, I remember last year I watched the game. Maybe it was like a random Wednesday or Thursday or something, and it was uh, the Cavs playing the Rockets in Houston. And, you know, it's one of those games where, yeah, they'll probably win or whatever, but, you know, maybe they'll take a little bit off, maybe take the first half off or something. But I was kind of blown away by their discipline. This team is just incredibly disciplined night to night. Uh, they just play fantastic uh, team defense. They're solid on the rotations. They hustle. And I really love that about this team. And that's why they are consistent at beating uh, bad and middling teams in the NBA. But I think similarly to last year, they're going to lose to a lot of the top teams, um, which is why they're not going to be second. I think they're going to just – they just they – just, they, have, they have some flaws. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you, Wino, on Mobley taking another step. I don't think he's going to take another step. I think people were just too excited about kind of what he was his rookie year. Um, last year, he was one of the – he was – I think he was the worst spot-up shooter in the entire league. He, he, he hey, can't... that leaves a lot of room to be better. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true, but he just can't shoot. Like, maybe he'll get a little better, but he's not he's, – he's just not going to um, – he's not going to round out the offensive part of his game – enough to really kind of 
make running that two big lineup okay, which they're still going to do. They, and they still have two small guards who don't play any defense. Uh, it's going to be tough to be top teams like that. So I think they'll kind of have the same issues. I, I like that they can bump Okoro to the bench, which is where he should be. They have Max Struess now. Uh, that was – I mean, I was kind of surprised that how good they were last year and not so surprised that they lost to the Knicks when you start Okoro and Mobley and Jared Allen, and none of them can score. So uh, th- that's pretty rough. So I, I, think, I think they'll be solid, but uh, not better than Milwaukee, not better than Boston. Cool. Yeah, so it doesn't sound like we're far apart. We're not. Um, and that's what makes the discussion fun. So if that's cool with you guys, I'll kind of move into my next tier now, uh, mm-hmm. which also contains three teams. Cool. Let's do it. And three teams you'd probably expect. So in fourth, and this this one is the most difficult team to rank probably for me. But in fourth, I have the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm. Probably controversial. It's hard to know, no pun intended, what the situation with Harden's going to be. <laughs> I... You know, if you project he just plays how he did last season, he's just a happy camper. I think this is – I probably wouldn't put them any higher than four. Um, but I'm kind of hedging my bets and just thinking they'll at least get role players that can facilitate in some way. Um, but, again, I have three teams in this tier, so I wouldn't be shocked if they were sixth, you know. But I leaned towards them being fourth. Um, main reason being, you know, regular season MVP from last year. Embiid offensively and defensively lets a lot of – Average to below average players still have success because he can cover up so many issues on both ends, um, being so dominant offensively and then being an interior presence defensively. The concern I do have is they were third in offense last year and they were tied for first in three-point percentage. Mm -hmm. So if the shooting falls off to any degree or maybe guys aren't getting as good of looks because Harden's not in the rotation, then that could be a concern. Um you can hedge your bets against that and say, you know, another leap from Maxi is coming. I'm not probably as high on Maxi as consensus, but I do think he's a great player and will we'll get better. I am curious to see what he looks like as a primary lead ball handler uh, for the entirety of a season if if Harden gets moved. So I guess to start with that, what are y'all's Philly, Philly thoughts? Um, so this makes sense. And this is where I had them at first when, when I first did my list. Uh, I, I just – I don't know. It, it's hard to slot them anywhere else. They still have a lot of talent. But th- this is my thing. So, so, sometimes sometimes we can get bogged down by all the numbers and statistics and all that. Um, but this is kind of what I'm looking at with Philadelphia. Um, this is – so Joel Embiid, is he going to be as motivated this year now that he's won his MVP that he has begged for for like three, four years? Um, I don't know. And – He's got to power through the James Harden thing. We don't know how that's going to work out. Um, are they going to – what, are they just going to start P.J. Tucker again? Is he 100 years old? I don't – like, come on. What do, what do we do with the P.J. Tucker thing? They have Pat Bev now. Uh, I, I don't know. I think this team is poised for a step back. There's kind of got to be a shakeup eventually. I feel like for a while it's kind of just been the same – you know, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, Miami. And there's going to be a shakeup this year, I think. And I think Philadelphia is going to be one of the teams that falls, maybe not too far. Uh, I think they'll still be uh, out of the plenum, so top six. 
I think this Sixers team absolutely implodes this season. Here we go. I think we have the recipe for disaster with James Harden going into this training camp. Joel Embiid off of an MVP year still without a title to show for it. Um, I think the roster is nasty. (laughs) I think you playing PJ Tucker and Pat Bev on the court with Tyrese Maxey and Embiid is just so disgusting. And I think Embiid, if he can even be healthy, I would not be surprised if we got a trade demand midseason. If he's like, get me out of here. This is disgusting. And yeah, and uh, one other one other fun variable to throw into all this is the coach most known for criticizing players publicly is now the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Absolutely. So, yeah. Was he not ousted for some sort of locker room? There, yeah, yeah, players were... hate playing for this guy, and he's not a kumbaya. Let's get together and go prove everybody wrong this season. Yeah, this yep, is a so. recipe for explosion, and I don't know that any other team really has the pieces necessary to, to implode in the middle of the season like this one does. <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> so, a great point, especially if they don't. Yeah, they can definitely end in that four to six range, but I feel like there's a high probability that they do. And then from there, um, they just pull the plug or something. But yeah, you guys, I don't have you guys are definitely talking me into sliding them down within <laughs> this tier. You guys are the Pat Bev point really drove it home for me personally. <laughs> yeah. Kalen actually, uh, before I started talking, when Kalen brought up Pat Bev, I was like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> Pod, Podman over here is not coming to help you win a championship." So, with that being said, I do. We'll we'll get to it in this process, no pun intended. But I am curious who you guys think will go over them in in terms of the standings, because that's more what I struggled with. I kind of put Philly at four by default, so I was like, well, it's hard to right. jump them. So I think yeah. to bounce off that, we'll kind of go through the rest of this tier. Fifth, uh, I have the Miami Heat. Mm. I had Miami around fourth or fifth going into last regular season, um, and they were obviously a very big disappointment. They had to fight uh, just to get in the play-in. They ended up finishing seventh and then losing the play-in. So by the time they got in the playoffs, they were technically the eighth seed. Um, I think that was an outlier. They had the third most games missed due to injury. Uh, Their shooting was great two years ago. Last season, it was bottom five in the league. Their offense really struggled. There are a lot of issues um, in the offseason. They lose Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, which aren't insignificant, um, but they do bring in Josh Richardson, who I feel like will provide uh, better defense than either of them and enough shooting to make it work. Uh, the biggest question for me with Miami is going to be the starting lineup and the closing lineup and whether those are the same or not. But there's already been some discussion in training camp of Kyle Lowry saying he expects to be the starting point guard. Um, whereas in my opinion, I think you have to start Tyler and you want to put a defensive player next to Tyler, so someone like Josh Richardson would make more sense to me because he can guard the other team's best guard, and it would be easier to hide Tyler. Um, but Jimmy will miss time. Uh, Lowry will definitely miss time. Hero usually has a couple little injuries throughout the season. Um, <clears throat> so you could argue they should be lower, but to me, Spo, you know, with the Kaseya center 
janitor crew is probably getting you to like a seventh seed. So if they have any, you know, NBA caliber players available, I'm sure he'll be able to, you know, duct tape and paper clip together a, a top five seed is, is my opinion. So do you guys have any heat takes based off that? I've got them at three, but I'll let Kalen talk first. <laughs> <laughs> I let him get all the disrespect out of the way first, and then I'll, no, finish no, no, this, no. I'll uh, stitch this together. Um, I, I kind of like Miami. Bam and Abayo went on the Dan Levitar show a couple days ago, and it was a really good interview. And one thing that Bam said that I really liked was um, he said that People were saying that because they lost Gabe and Max, um, that you know those were you know very important pieces to the title run. And then you know without those guys, you know they weren't going to be as good. And Bam was Bam was saying it, it was it was it was slightly disrespectful, but I don't think he that way. But he was like, Man, you, you guys had no idea who they were when the season started. You, you did not know. Them. Uh, so I don't know how you can say that they were. Uh, like you know, integral to what we're doing. You know, it's it's kind of the team culture. It's Spo, you know, and we're gonna load up with new guys, and you know, we're gonna, we're gonna get the job done. And and I did like that be, because I felt like I was kind of falling into that trap. I mean, like, hey, man, Gabe was really good. Uh, you know, Max did get hot. The most important part of their run was, you know, all the three pointers. And but uh, Bam made a really good point. The core is still here. I mean, they, they, they still have Jimmy and Bam. They still have Spo. Um, they, you know, they still have Tyler Hero, who people have kind of forgotten about because he was injured on that title run. Uh, but I still like Hero. I even like maybe a slight revenge season for him. I'm sure he is, you know, upset at all the Trey stuff. Um, and if you, if, if you just let Tyler run point guard and uh, slot Josh Richardson in there, I mean, that's kind of a good lineup. I mean, you got Thomas Bryant, Kevin Love still, you know, Duncan Robinson, resurgence. He was like a no-show for a lot of last year until late in the, until late in the season when y'all had to use him, and then he, he kind of resurged. So if, if he can, you know, be that again all season, it's not a bad basketball team. <laughs> so he's not. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree. I think what Bam brought up on the radio was my exact thinking. I was like, if we – lost that play-in tournament game and went straight into the offseason and lost Gabe Vincent and Max Drews. First of all, Lakers fans would be going crazy about why did we sign Gabe Vincent? Who is this garbage man we just put on the roster? Um, but, dude, nobody would care that we lost those two guys and probably would have expected us to sub them out for some, some of our younger players. And so I think uh, that is a great point. Um, I have them at three. I think they're going to have a great season. Wow. I think we have – I think my main reason is not that they're necessarily going to be better than the three teams we expect to be up there. I just think one of those teams is not going to work um, for reasons we won't be able to expect. But if I had to predict, it would be the Kristaps Porzingis effect. Whenever he goes to, like, a winning caliber team, things just don't really work. Um, wow. So I could see them dropping to the four or five and then us making it to the three. Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he let, I don't see that here he book. he let the us slip out <laughs> he, let, he said we'll be the three c we will 
We will. I have no intentions of hiding my homerism on this podcast. And if you guys expect it otherwise, then I apologize. But um, I am really excited about, you know, another year for Bam. I think last season, last playoff run, especially really forced him to be a better player. And I think he can continue that dominance as um, our other veterans get a little bit older and he really has to take on more board burden than Jimmy can carry from season to season. Um, I'm excited about seeing our young guys play. I'm excited to um, see some of our developmental guys and our guaranteed one random player that Spo invents in some kind of chemistry lab um, that comes up from the G League and averages 15 a game. And so uh, I feel like there's a lot to be excited about there and not as long as we can get our shooting back, um, not enough. Welcome back to the Irrational Confidence Podcast. Uh, we had to cut Lino's mic. got a little too worked <laughs> up about Miami. Sorry, sorry. I so, went on for another 45 minutes of tangent there, and so they have to <laughs> really reset us, and so I mm-hmm. apologize. But ultimately... <laughs> I was pretty excited about the way the roster is going to turn out next year. I think we're going to be a very competent team along with a very skilled team. And so I think we can luck our way into a three spot if one of those teams just doesn't work out with their new roster compositions. Most definitely. I would say a couple of players to watch out for. Uh, Haywood Highsmith, I expect to have a Caleb Martin kind of leave this year. Uh, Nikola Jovic looked really good in FIBA. Expect big things from him. And uh, the rookie Jaime Jaquez looks really good in summer league. Um, you know, he's like the most veteran season kind of guy a rookie can be. So I think he could get pretty quick production. So to recap for this tier, that was I had Philly at four, Miami at five. The final team I have in this tier in the sixth seed is the New York Knicks. There's a couple things to be concerned with with New York. Their offense I didn't realize this until I went and looked at it to prep for the show. They were second in offense last year uh, per cleaning the glass, which shocked me. Um, I knew people said, like, oh, they were good. I didn't realize how good they were. And to me, based off this roster, as big as a fan I am of uh, Jalen Brunson, second in offense feels pretty unsustainable. I know they did a lot of it through you know, getting a lot of offensive rebounds, keeping the turnover rate very low. So they're very like possession based team as far as their efficiency. Um, But they were 20th in effective field goal percentage. So they weren't a very efficient shooting team as far as like actual shot possessions, but they were able to kind of get to a top three level offense through offensive rebounding and other methods. So that's kind of my initial thoughts on the Knicks. What do you guys expect from them this year? That's crazy that they had the second offense. That that kind of blows me away, too. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Um, yeah. I don't know that those stats really line up to me. Um, but I think from what I saw in Jalen Brunson in the playoffs, I could see him dragging any somewhat competent team to a uh, five or six seed. Um, and I think if they can be defensively strong as well, I don't mind them being placed right here. I'm looking at their roster. What 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 were they last year? They were they were six, right? I think yeah, they're the five so. seed, and they played oh, New York in the four, five, and one. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I think I think six is fine. I mean, they're essentially the same team. They added Dante Divincenzo, who I, who I do like. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still just not a big Julius Randle fan. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah. RJ, maybe RJ Barrett can 
you know, take another small leap in his mm-hmm. uh, consistency, his outside shot. Um, Evan Fournier still <laughs> free Evan, man, free Evan. <laughs> Evan Fournier can still sit on the bench, and I think things can <laughs> looks really sad. stay stay really consistent for them. Yeah. The, the Knicks are definitely like my least favorite watch team. They're super boring, but uh, yeah, I would definitely not watch them play. It was <laughs> yeah, but, definitely but, not on my lineups. Do you? But I think somewhere six, out there. Yeah. So yeah, six feels like a good spot. One thing that was almost as interesting as how good their offense was is their defense was nineteenth, which I feel like is the opposite of most Tom Thibodeau teams. So if you wanted to look at upside for them, maybe their defense could could be better than that. But six feels about right. Yep. Um, so the next tier, I have three teams as well uh, in the seven, eight, and nine spot. This is the uh, fun tier to me. This is the young, plucky, up and coming teams, you know, with a lot of offensive upside, and also the Hawks. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, oh, as you man. could probably guess, I have uh, in the seventh spot, I have the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's go. Yeah, I think Indy's offense could be insane this year. I think obviously Halliburton's a savant, basketball genius, could not be higher on his offensive upside. Yep. And I think he's the kind of engine that every team's looking for right now. Um, you know, Miles Turner ability to space the floor. Now they have somebody with like Obi Toppin that's athletic and run in transition with them and, and hopefully hit shots as well. Bruce Brown's a very versatile player they added in that can run some point, run in transition. So I think their offense could be awesome. They were 21st in offensive rating last year. I would not be shocked if that jumped to top 10 this year and maybe even higher. I'm not sure how much upside they have on defense, really. I mean, Bruce Brown's a good defender, but there aren't. And Miles Turner is a good rim protector, but there's not a ton of defensive upside around the perimeter outside of uh, Bruce Brown. So we'll see, but I'm not really expecting them. I mean, I have them in the seventh seed. So I think if they're top 10 in offense and, you know, in the 20s in defense, seven is is definitely realistic. So what are y'all's thoughts on the Pacers? I think Jairus Walker is leading this team to a playoff spot this year. (laughs) These guys are going to be not only so solid, but I genuinely think they're going to be a good team to watch. This is like one of my league pass teams. Like I'll be checking in on them pretty constantly. Um, And so I think you've got a good placement and I think they could look themselves into like a six seed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's possible that, uh, yeah, if you if you're high on them, definitely I, I could I could see them making it if if things kind of go right and they stay healthy. Um, but I, man, I love this freaking team. They're gonna be super exciting. I love Tyrese Halliburton. Um, we'll see if Buddy Hill was there at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, I like that you brought up uh, Jarese Walker. I mean Benedict Mathurin should be even better. He was fantastic last year. Um, they added Bruce Brown. He's gonna be really good for them. Uh, yeah, man, this is, this is a really fun team. I'm definitely going to be watching a lot of uh, Pacer basketball for whatever reason. I don't know why. It's weird. I like all their players. I like their team. But, yeah, I think I can't really see them finishing higher than seventh <laughs> still. Yeah, yeah. And, and Carlisle's It would require though. some right things happening for that mm-hmm. to happen. I don't think they get their own pure skill along. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and, and I think seven's a perfectly good progression of, you know, the life mm-hmm. cycle of this team. I mean, yeah. I think yeah. if they finish seventh, for they sure. feel good about it. Uh, speaking of teams that should not feel good about anything, the Atlanta Hawks <laughs> I have as the eighth spot. Um, 
Atlanta, I'll let you guys talk about them more than me. I, you know, again, I'm a Miami fan, so Southeast Division, I watch a lot of the other Southeast Division teams. Hawks just feel like first team all bad vibes to me right now. <laughs> uh, you know, there's all kind of trade rumors. They're looking at Siakam. They're upset about how the DeJounte Murray trade's gone. They want to move Capella so Nyeka Kongu can get more involved. Um, last year, ninth on offense, 21st on defense. To me, both those feel about right. And it was Trey's lowest effective field goal percentage since his rookie year. So maybe that perks back up and, you know, they're a little better than they were. Uh, but yeah, other than AJ Griffin, who I love and I'm excited to see develop, uh, I would like to hear y'all's thoughts on this team. Um, it's okay. So you have the Hawks at number eight. Yeah. Um, I like, I like your first team, uh, all bad vibes take. That's, that's a really good take. Um, this this team has a has a I mean I really don't like Dejounte Murray I, I I just don't like that guy. <laughs> don't like him um, and I don't know I, just, I don't have much to say about the, about the Atlanta Hawks either I think that these guys are in a lot of trouble if they continue to have Trey Young on the roster I think they're going to be in, in that little Dame territory where you know they actually they actually had their run to the conference finals the way Dame had his one run. Mm-hmm. I think they're just going to be kind of middling seventh, eighth. Maybe they'll have a good year, fifth. But yeah, yeah, they are definitely dangerously close to being in that kind of a no man's land mm-hmm. uh, where you don't really have a right move to make uh, to make your season any better, and you don't really have the talent to push your way into a higher caliber team. Um, and so it's not looking good for the Hawks. I think the only team in the league that might have worse vibes is probably the Charlotte Hornets and maybe the Sixers oh. in three months. Um, <laughs> like, and so well, <laughs> they might give them a run for their money, but I just don't see a lot of hope in that institution. Um, and so I think that's a pretty accurate place to put them, if not closer to the bottom of the play-in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the – Team I have in ninth um, is one of the teams I enjoy watching the most, and, and probably the team I watch the second most after Miami, and that's the Orlando Magic. Wow! Wow! So super fun young team. Uh, reasons I'm optimistic: they were eleventh uh, in defense last year, and I think that feels sustainable. I like the size they have at almost every position. Uh, offense was rough, uh, but I trust Ben Caro and Franz to take the steps forward to, you know, uh, buoy that offense to, you know, maybe league average, maybe a little above. Um, the guards are still definitely questionable. You know, Cole Anthony, Fultz, like I'm not sure any of those guys are, you know, everyday starting NBA caliber point guards for a playoff team. Um, but, you know, the ninth seed isn't necessarily a playoff team. So, We'll see what goes on there. Um, the rookies, Anthony Black, Jet Howard, I think are really fun fits. It might take a couple years before they're contributing to winning, but I think they're the exact type of guys you'd want to bring in to play alongside Ben Caro and Wagner. So what do you guys think about Orlando? Yeah, I think uh, I think they've got a lot of excitement to look at, and I think they're really fun to watch. I think two seeds up from their previous season isn't too ambitious of a goal for them. I just fear that the offense might still not be there. 
uh, next season. And so I definitely have them in like a maybe a 10 to 11 point, like either staying the same as they were last year or moving up one spot. Uh, but I'm not super sure about the offensive game really getting going in their current system with their current players. Uh, I think the one caveat to that is if Jet Howard comes in and still shoots the lights out uh, for them, uh, that could be a big game changer and open up the floor for Ben Kara to be the amazing player that he is. Uh, but that's kind of where I'm at with them. Uh, no, I'm, I'm actually pretty low on the magic. Um, I, I, I think people are kind of excited because they like were middling for forever and they finally tore down and then they actually got good players in Paolo and Franz, which I definitely do like both of them. I think they'll be better this year. Um, but not so much better that they're going to be worth wins. Like Paolo McCare will be better, but uh, maybe they'll get an extra win because of it. Uh, I, I agree with Lino. I don't like their offense. I'm looking at their roster right now. and uh, So I'm actually pretty low on the magic. Okay, fair enough. Um, one thing to note, they do play in the Southeast Division. So other than Miami, they get to play uh, Charlotte, Atlanta, and Washington four times a year. So <laughs> keep that in mind when you're thinking about their regular season record. So That's that should fair. help. <laughs> So that yeah, that, that would make me feel a lot better as an Orlando fan. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of Orlando fans, shout out to Bryce, my friend. Uh, <laughs> so I have two tiers left. Again, both with three teams each. Um, we're getting towards you know the very bottom of the conference, so we don't have to spend a ton of time. I'll kind of set it up, and you guys just let me know what you think mm-hmm. of my rankings. Uh, so this next tier, I would call the tier of sadness. Um, all these teams to me are not uh, tearing it down and they're not, they don't really have any upside uh, to be like a top five seed or anything like that. So they're really stuck in the middle for various reasons. And I had a really hard time uh, ordering these. I really would not be surprised if these finished in any different order. So number 10, I have the Raptors Um, new coach from the G league. Darko Ryakovich, I believe is how it's pronounced. Um, Scotty Pippen, I mean, Scotty Pippen, Scotty Barnes. Maybe he'll what? turn into maybe he'll turn into Scotty Pippen and they'll be better than the 10th seed. Uh, but you know, I like Scotty. I hope he develops. I feel like people were harsh on a sophomore season. Uh, downgrading from Van Fleet to Schroeder is tough, and it feels like this team is almost certainly going to make some deals uh, before the deadline. So it's hard to project. So, what are y'all's Raptors thoughts? Yeah, I got Raptors in the lottery. Those guys are selling everything and just, you know, getting out of Dodge. This is not going to be a good year for them. Um, Okay. Um, If they're sellers, then I definitely hear you. I'm I'm happy to be wrong about this. I think this is my, like, irrational team. I think they're going to be – I think they're going to be better than um, people think. I kind of like them. You you said – I mean, in a shooter, yeah, he's a downgrade. But I I don't like – I do like shooter. Shooter's going to be good. I like what Shooter can, uh, is, is going to bring to this team. Um, he's definitely going to finish better than Fred Van Vliet. And he puts a lot of pressure on the rim. And he shoots about the same. Fred Van Vliet is, is not a very accurate shooter. Um, and, he, you know, Shooter's bigger. I think he's a better defender. Um, you know, he's still have Pascal. You know, I like Jakob Pertl at the center. Is that a, that is a, that's a good note for them? Um, That's like a positive. <laughs> I like <laughs> Pascal. I like him. 
13 mile NBA, Pascal Siakam. Looking for that Supermax. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I have similar feelings to them as a G's or Hawks in certain ways. I don't know that the vibes are right over there for any kind of uh, successful season right now. I, like but I definitely that Grady Dick see what you're saying. Cool. So yeah, that's uh, Toronto where I have them. Uh, next up in the tier of despair, I have at 11, the Chicago Bulls. Um, yeah. If Atlanta's first team all bad vibes, this is first team all bleh to me. Uh, mm. They were 24th in offense and 5th in defense last year. Uh, you know, maybe the offense can improve from 24th. I would expect the defense to be worse than 5th. So maybe they end up about where they were anyway. Um, DeRozan and Levine are great. Uh, Vucevic is what he is. I'm not sure where the upside is on this team. So what is what are you guys thinking about Chicago? Oh, um, go ahead, Caitlin. They're headed nowhere. They have no vision. What are they gonna do? Like Zach Levine, Demar Derozan. The I mean, the age is not gonna take me anywhere. Uh, the, the Vucevic deal did not work out at all. Um, the only thing I love about this team is the ball pressure. Like you said, uh, they were fifth in defense. The ball pressure is awesome. Um, but yeah, this team's going nowhere, man. They have no future. Yeah, I feel the same way. This is a this is a wrap for a while. They gotta sell what pieces they do have, and maybe start from scratch again. Which I just feel I don't know. If there's a fan base I feel worse for. Than the mm. Chicago Bulls, man. I oh, just... We're going to get to some, will we? <laughs> <laughs> you wait, buddy. <laughs> That's true. And some of the teams we have at the bottom are, like, bad. But the Bulls have been a uh, wasteland of mediocrity for what feels like a really long time now. Like, yeah. It's really concerning <laughs> at yeah. this point. <laughs> yeah, and it sounded like they were trying to trade Levine in the offseason. So it's not even like they're trying to retool around him. You know, you don't want to, like, build something around DeRozan because of his age. So, I'm not sure where they're going to go. I hope they choose a direction pointing down very soon. <laughs> so, that was Chicago at 11. Uh, finally, in this tier, at number 12, I have the Brooklyn Nets. Yep. Um, Brooklyn is surprised at their offseason. I felt like they were uh, almost like a Frankenstein of a team last year after yeah trades which makes yeah. sense um, but they didn't really do anything to rectify that in the offseason oh. which was surprising to me Not at oh. all. yeah they so post AD trade they were 22nd in net rating so this feels about right because this roster is very similar to the post kd trade roster um you know on in theory people really like uh the versatility of their defense but they're only 16th in defense post trade um, in theory, they should be able to switch a lot and, and cause issues that way, but I'm not sure how they're going to score. I'm not sure who's creating on this team. I like Mikel Bridges a lot, but not as your lead creator. Um, and if he's not going to be that, then it's up to maybe Dinwiddie or Cam Thomas. So I don't see a lot of creation upside or offensive upside on this team. So what do you guys think? You, of just, you show up to the game and you just pray for a Cam Thomas 40-burger mm-hmm. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And mm-hmm. That's about all you got. Have they won a single one of those Cam Thomas go off games? They've lost all. <laughs> 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 I'm 
They have all versatile players, but all their players are the same, which is weird. Like, they all have the same, like, kind of archetype, kind of build. Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, uh, Dorian, Nick Claxton, Lonnie Walker, Thomas. They're all just kind of the same player. They kind of do the same thing. So, like, yeah, they're all switchable, but there's actually, like, they're so versatile, there's no versatility. It's weird. They kind of have the same guys over and over again. It's a hard part. They are a team full of people that other teams in the league need. Like, every team could probably use one or two of these guys, and they have six of them. But that's way too many to have on a roster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, just in hindsight, you wonder if they regret not being more aggressive to facilitate the Lillard trade, so not to get him. But, like, to me, Tyler Hero is a big upgrade for this roster. So if they were only willing to give Portland one first-round pick, you know, to receive uh, Tyler from Miami, I wonder if they regret not adding more to that pot uh, because just Tyler, not that he would make them a five-seed or anything, but to have a guard that can create, shoot, and then could be protected by all the defense, I feel like would make a big difference. So that's where I have Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And that moves us to our final tier, spot 13, 14, and 15. Uh, I did not get creative or hot takey with these teams. I think maybe there's some upside somewhere, but it would take pretty big star leaps from their draft prospects. So at 13, I have the Pistons. Um, Won't spend a ton of time on it. Um, Of the three bottom teams, Cade's my favorite prospect. Um, And I, and I like, like Cade Cunningham a lot. So I could see him having a a big year, um, you know, pretty much lost off last season. So I hope he's healthy. Hope he's able to show some real development. Um, I know some people are kind of already out on him or saying like, this is the year he has to prove it. And, and I think he will. I think he's good. Um, Asar Thompson, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, all exciting young players. Um, Monty Williams is getting paid, you know, more than like the mid-level exception to coach. So we'll see what he's able to provide uh, to this roster. So what do you guys think about Detroit? I actually have them where you had Orlando. So I think mm. we have maybe inverse feelings there. I have them like – I think these guys are going to be like a 10 or 11 seed. Okay. Um, I, again, I'm a big fan of Cunningham as well. I think Monty Williams can do a lot with the young talent here. Um, not a lot in the sense of really getting them deep into the playoffs or anything, but enough to move them from where they were up into – bordering on lottery or boarding on playing tournament team, maybe lucking their way into some tournament stuff if they can stay healthy. Um, but I really like the talent here. I'm a big fan of Asar Thompson, and I think he's a ready-now kind of defender at the very least. Um, and that Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey are going to uh, be able to really figure things out in the backcourt. Um, yeah. This team has a lot of talent that you like, for sure. Um, I think that going to be kind of more like what the what the Rockets were last year like really talented young players don't have any idea how to win basketball game they're going to be really bad I think um, but that's not to say that they don't have talent like I like I don't I, I don't feel bad for like the Pistons fan base they have a lot to root for they have a fun basketball team uh, and they're moving in a good direction um, I just don't think it's going to uh, culminating wins just yet, but they're not far away. They have a lot, a lot of good players on their team. Really well put. Yeah, I'd much rather be a Pistons fan than a Toronto or Chicago fan yeah, right now. Yeah, agreed for sure. So, oh, yeah, yeah not definitely. Yeah, just probably not quite ready for regular season wins, but still a fun team. Uh, 14 have the Charlotte Hornets. 
Um, you know, LaMelo's health, number one thing for this team. Um, if he can play most of the games, they'll probably have a pretty good offense. Steve Clifford's a good coach, might be able to get them to a decent defense. Um, but I have them 14th. I don't I don't see huge upside either one of those places. Um, but I could also see them being the team that's like Denver lost by 20 to Charlotte on a random Tuesday because they were kind of just messing around. So I feel like they might catch a couple teams by surprise, but I don't see a lot of wins piling up for this team. So what are y'all's Charlotte thoughts? Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page there. I think they're just going to uh, not have what it takes to really win a lot of basketball games this season. Yeah, they – the best thing about this team is their their broadcaster, the announcer. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, he's like, wow, watch this team on. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost think he he almost wills them to have spectacular moments just mm-hmm. so he can get his own stick off. But uh, I think the main thing to watch, really, maybe the only thing to watch, really, is kind of uh, Lamelo. I'm really interested to see if one if he can, he can stay healthy this year, but. Two, if he can just be a more serious basketball player and just play a more serious brand of basketball. Obviously, we see the talent, and when you don't watch the game, if you just look at the stats, he has decent numbers. But you know, when, when you actually watch him play, um, you, you just know that's that's not like a, a serious brand of you know winning basketball. So uh, I want to see them uh, just—I don't know—but I want to see them uh, at least Lamelo take more of a step. Uh, be more of a a table setter. I, I read. I, I was reading about um, Zach Lowe's piece that came out today on uh, ESPN.com. It was like uh, five players that he's looking out for. Lamelo Ball was one of them, and he, he was talking about Lamelo actually holding the ball longer. You know, he's one of those guys who likes to just kind of push it up and push pace, but he actually needs to hold the ball and kind of set up the offense, run the offense. That's kind of not been with uh, the player he's been, but I think that's what's going to take him to a next level as a guard. So hmm. Nice. Well put. Um, finally, 15th, last spot in the East, I have the Washington Wizards. Um, they have some vets on this team, so, th- you know, they could finish 13th or something like that. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but similar to... They're they're almost like diet Chicago to me, where like they have Kuzma and Poole and like some young guys that are established in the leagues being productive, but they don't have like someone like Cade or someone like Lamelo that's like, oh, this is a blue chip prospect. I expect to be an all star at some point, so I want to tune in for that reason. Um, so that's why I'm kind of low uh, on the Wizards, and I think they're intentionally going to try and tank and and get that blue chip prospect. So do you guys have any Wizards thoughts? <laughs> Oh. I have zero Wizards thoughts. Actually, that's real. I actually... That's real. I almost, I almost did a joke where I ended the podcast right after I said the Wizards. <laughs> so, so I wouldn't be mad at that. They, they are going to be really bad, and uh, like you said, they're going to be looking for a a blue chipper because they don't like they they have nothing. Like this team really is empty. Like their their cupboard is bare. So. Hopefully, I guess uh, Bilal Kulabali can show him something. I thought that I didn't like that pick. To be honest, I thought he was picked. I thought he was picked high. He's picked very, very high for the talent that what I thought was out there. Yeah, I didn't love that. Didn't love that pick either. But you know, who knows? Wizards is like I don't know the closest thing you can have to like basketball malpractice. 
as an organization. Like, yeah, and, and, and to just, their credit, they finally traded Beal. Like, they are tearing it down, so they are headed in the right direction, but it's taken so long, I'm not really giving them credit for that. Do you remember true. what they got in that Beal trade? Yeah, that's the other oh, thing. I don't think they got anything it good. It was Jordan Poole, or no, was that, was that Jordan Poole? No, it's just, like, seconds, um, not, nothing super uh, great. Oh, no, no, I'm trying to what the heck? Chris Paul went to the Warriors. Yeah, no, yeah, went to the Wizards. How did, how did? I think that was a separate deal, wasn't it? Yeah, it might have been. Yeah. How did they get nothing? I, I don't. What? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like this is How's possible. Oh, because this they got is a money washing, and they, and, they, and they just they just. That's his... right. Yeah. That's what they, did. they got Chris Paul and then traded Chris Paul for Pool. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so they got pool. Awesome. Cool. Cool. We should yeah. just cut the whole Wizards clip. We should just say. <laughs> and thank you so for bad. listening yeah, to. <laughs> so, but awesome. in all in all honesty, uh, super fun to run through these with you guys. Um, we yeah. probably should wrap it up because we're going long. So for everyone listening, who is probably just our friends and family at this point, we appreciate <laughs> you checking out the podcast. Uh, we plan on building it, getting better. Um, we're just three friends that love talking about the NBA and hoops and, you know, we're just having a good time. So we hope you guys had a good time as well. Um, we'll put any links for socials and things like that in the description of the pod. And we hope to have another episode episode coming out to you guys sometime next week. So thank you for tuning in.